Parsha Shnai Mikrav Echad Targum. The goal is not to get into all of the details of the, uh, the halachos of Shnai Mikra, although we'll hopefully get into some of the most relevant ones. But I want to give somewhat of a background and insight into the importance of learning Chumash, some of the methodology, and then we'll go through a few of the halacha lemaisa as well. As an introduction, Revolver writes in the Alei Shor, speaks about Limid Torah Shebechsav, how to learn Tanakh. He says, Yesh Limud Kol Yom Parsha Achas Mi Parsha The ideal is to learn every day one part of the Parsha Hashavua. The goal should not just to be Mekayim, the mitzvah of Shnai Mikra. It should be with some level of analysis, of depth. The Rosh writes that The Rosh says that the commentary of Rashi is something that would work for Targum. But don't just read it, the Rush explains, Vitidaktik Bo Kasher Tuchal. Try to be medaktik. Try to, to, to be meticulous in the reading of Rashi. Right, the Meiri writes that Rashi was the Av HaMafarshim. He was the father of all commentaries. And what Rashi could be alluding to in one word Right. answering many questions or giving forth, you know, major hashkafa. He says, you have to be chafach bava, chafach bava, kula bava. Everything's in there. You just have to know how to decipher it. Explains Revolba. He says, Avshar even though superficially it sounds like Rashi is just the Pashid Pshat, one who understands what Rashi is and what he's doing, you'll realize it requires a lot of toil. And sometimes, right, if you have the opportunity to look at the Maral, the Gorari, or other Mepharshim and Rashi, to understand the depth of the Pshat of Rashi. So I think one major problem we have with really appreciating Chumash Rashi is we don't appreciate Chumash and we don't appreciate Rashi. And sometimes we're reading a Pasuk and we're reading a Rashi and it sounds familiar, done that before. Or even worse, I remember my Rebbe teaching me that in second grade. It destroys the Rashi! We have this childlike perception of what Rashi's doing. Rav Aaron Cutler has a beautiful piece in the Mishnah's Rav Aaron where he says one of the main goals in teaching children Chumash is not just the content of Chumash, but giving them a little bit of an expanded appreciation of what learning Tanakh means. When I'm learning a Pasuk in the Torah, this is not just a story, it's not just you know an insight into the life of Avram Avinu and Sari Meinu. This is the Devar Hashem. This is the infinite Word of God. And when Rashi's coming along and he's telling us something, he's bothered by many questions. He, he's very aware of hundreds of chazal in this particular pasuk. He's choosing these two or three for a reason. And there's so much more than meets the eye. So the first thing Revolva is telling us is, 
to try to learn a little bit every day. You can learn the Aliyah of the day. And it's really bite-sized. It is realistic. To say the phrase, there's no excuse not to, is inaccurate. <laughs> there are many good excuses not to. You know, and whenever you're talking about any particular subject, you could use that same argument. It's only five, ten minutes a day. Okay, but if you're telling me that for Mishnayis, and for the Dafa Shvua, and for the Amr Yomi Mishnavura, and for Shnai Mikra, I don't have an hour and a half to be doing these things. So there are many excuses. But something that we're going to learn, this is very important. That's the first idea of Volba shares. But then he says, the Bali HaMusr have taught us to learn Chumash with a particular focus in how am I going to apply this Halacha L'Maisa. He says, He says, take for example, Sefer Or Yecheskel, Yecheskel Levenstein, if you look at all of the letters that he was writing, he would always incorporate something relating to the Parsha the day he was writing this letter. Every day, Revolva explains that Rabbi Yecheskel Livenstein was living in the Parsha of the day. So of course I'm going to quote a particular Chazal or a Pasuk or Rashi to, to help with my point. What does that mean to learn Chumash Lemaisa? So I'll give you one example. Right? First Rashi on this coming Parsha, Parsha's Noach. Utilizing both ideas of Revolba, the first is to be midactic in Rashi, to understand there's a lot there. And the second idea is to try to apply it Lemaisa. Rashi is bothered by the question, Eila told us, Noach, Noach, Ish Tzadik, Tomim Hayab, Dorosav, Eslokim, Ishalich, Noach. If it says, Eila told us, Noach, why does it interrupt with Noach, Ish Tzadik? Why is it telling us he was a righteous person? Only later, the next Pasuk, it says, He had his three sons. Why the interruption? So the second Pshat in Rashi is, It's teaching us, what are the main Toldos, the main generations of the righteous? Masim Tovim. It's their good deeds. Okay. Right there, next Pasuk, next Rashi. But if I'm learning this with any level of diktuk, and I'm learning this with a focus to apply it lemaisa, how can I apply this Rashi lemaisa? Right, let's say, for example, right, theoretically, I have a child that's not, not exactly what I envisioned. He's not in the yeshiva that his other friends are in. And I was speaking to one of the visitors over circus, and he was sharing with me where he lives, the, the level of competition is so incredible and the stress that it places on the entire family and it's so hard not to, not to feel well, you know, my, my good my son's good friend from childhood is now in that yeshiva and my kid wasn't accepted and he's in this yeshiva this is a B place that's an A place okay, you might not be from that culture 
But in every society you're in, there are always expectations, and many of them are very healthy and, and, and good expectations we have for our children. And oftentimes, they might not be living up to that picture that I had in mind. The natural response is, a parent takes that personally. Obviously, I'm a failure. If my child is now off the derech, and they have no appreciation for Yiddishkeit, so that means I'm a failure. And to the contrary, if they're steiging and they're doing wonderful things and they have a beautiful family and all of my grandchildren are Shomer Torah mitzvos, clearly I've made it. What you can learn from this Rashi is that what your children are doing or who they are does not define you as a person. What defines me as a person? Masim Tovin. One of the examples of my symptom is, was I mishtadel, was I trying my best to raise children in the Derech Torah in a healthy, happy, vibrant environment? Was I trying my best? Was I doing my ishtadlis? If the answer to that question is yes, so then regardless of where your kid is now, that doesn't define who you are. Right? So that's one example of learning Rashi, Halach Lamaisa. I don't want to get too into the example, right? but that's one insight of the methodology. That's Revolba. There's a beautiful piece in the Chafetz Chaim where he doesn't explain how this works, and I assume it's probably a combination of something mystical, but also something psychological. He speaks about an Eitzah, a strategy for how to enhance our Amuna. writes the Chafetz Chaim and the Zachor the Miriam, what is the approach? Right? To learn the parshas hashavua with perush Rashi, and like we saw from Mevolba, not just to learn Rashi and remember what my second grade Rebbe taught me. Appreciate the words, cherish the words, understand that it's coming from such a deep wellspring of Chachma. Then be a didactic. Look into it. Analyze it. What is he really teaching me? How can I apply this? Halacha How does that work? How does learning Chumash with Rashi expand our horizons of Emunah and Bitachon? I'm not sure. Right, but the Chafetz Chaim is saying, this is an Eitzah, this is one of the, the strategies to, to strengthen our faith. Jumping into the idea of Shnai Mikra. Right, so where do we have in Mishnayis the obligation that you should learn Shnai Mikra v'echa Targum? It doesn't exist. Right, the earliest place we find this is the Gemara in Brachas and Navches. Amor of Huna, Amor of Yehuda. Ah, sorry. Amr Rav Huna Bar Yehuda Amr Rav Ami Leolam Yashlim Odem Parshiosavim Atzibor Shnai Mikra VeEchad Targum. You should always finish off the parsha with the tzibor Shnai Mikra VeEchad Targum. VaAfilu Ataros VeDivon. Those are cities that are listed in Parshas Matos. Even, even cities that don't really have a Targum, just happens to be the name of a place, you should do that as well. Shnai Mikrov Echa Targum, Shekol HaMashlim Parshiyosa Vimatzibor. Why should I, should I strive for this? Because anyone who's able to complete the Parsha with the Tzibor, 
His days and his years are lengthened. Right? So it sounds like there's a segula here. If you do Shnai Mikrav Targum, then you'll have long days and long years. It's kind of a strange thing. Why does it say days and years? Just tell them you have a long life, which means you'll have many years. So there's a Ben Yoyada later on in the Masechta and Daf Yud Gimel. This is source number three here. He says, he's bothered by the question, Why do you have to specify days? Just tell me you'll have long years. He says, The length of your life, that's defined by the years you're going to live. So the Gemara is telling us, you're going to be Zohar Terichas Shanim. You're going to live for a long time. But besides living for a long time, the days in which you live will be full. I'm going to have long days in the sense that the quality of the day is now so much more rich. That's what the Gemara is promising us. It doesn't only bring us longer life, but it enhances the life that we're living. And we find this idea with Avram Avinu at the end of Parshas Chayasara. It says, Avram zakin babiyamim, Vashem beiraches Avram bakol. And the Zohar says, what does it mean, babiyamim? Literally coming with his days? It means that he was approaching the end of his life with all of his days that were full of accomplishment. He didn't waste a day. He was able to use not just the, the time frame, the 24 hours of the day, but qualitatively to juice it for everything that was, uh, was there. What is the definition of Targum? Shnai Mikra, to read the actual Pasuk twice, and the Targum once. So, targum open to other translations? Right, so that's what we have to explore. Targum, we assume, means the Targum of Unculus. And we know that, like the Gemara Megillah tells us, that actually comes from, from Sinai. Right? His Targum goes back to the most authentic sources. But can it mean more than Unculus, or something else instead? So Tosos over here in Davches and Brachos, he says, Yesh Mufarshim, Adin. Some would say that for those people who speak Belaz, which means a different language, wherever they're living, in Spain, in Morocco, in America, so they could do it, Belaz Shalahan. They could do the Targum in their own language. And that would be the same thing as Shnai Mikra, the Echad Targum. Because it accomplishes the same goal. It's helping you understand what the Pasuk means. Velo Nahira, but Tosva says this does not appear to be accurate. Shehareha Targum Mefarish Pemashein Lomud Mena Ivri. The Targum is not just a translation, but it also explains and it expands upon the Pasuk that I would not be getting from the words in Hebrew by themselves, like in many places. Therefore, he comes out that Shnai Mikrav Echa Targum means reading the Pasuk twice and then the Targum, Targum Unkelis. But to translate into your own language would not be a kiyum of this mitzvah. Targum Unkelis, is that Aramaic? That's Aramaic. No, because the, the Targum Unkelis, he's not just translating word by word, but he's incorporating Torah Shabbat Peh, he's incorporating the, the meaning of the Pasuk. 
but just the basic translation, opening up the King James Bible and reading a verse in English would not count as Targum. So, Halacha Lema'isa, based on this Tosos, what would you say about reading the Pasuk twice and then the English and the art scroll, Chumash, would that count as Targum? Hundred percent, and this actually we find in the Mishnah Berurah. The Mishnah Berurah in Sifkat and Dalid, right? There's one simon on this subject in Reish Pehei. So he quotes the art scroll exactly. He quotes this Tosvos. He says, "Avolim kara b'sharlas." If you read the translation in any other language. Where it's only translating the words. You're not, you're not really doing the mitzvah. But in the very next Sifkatan, he says, Because the truth is, it's clear from the Machaber, you could do the Targum or you could do Rashi. The advantage of the Targum is that it has literally a parish of every single word. And it comes from Har Sinai. Those are the two advantages. The disadvantages, usually you have no clue what it means. Right. <laughs> it could be a downside. But also, like we saw from the Chafetz Chaim and Revolba, there, there's a lot that can be gained from Chumash and Rashi. But the Chafetz Chaim writes here in the Mishnah Bura that Rashi. if one's not able to do either Targum or Rashi, Roy Likros Beperish Hatora Sheyesh Boloshan Ashkenaz Bismanenu, then it would be appropriate to read the definition or the translation of the Torah that we have in Yiddish, right? The Mamaloshan, Kigon Sefer Tsenarena, like the Sefer Tsenarena, which was, it was actually uh, very common that women would read that on Shabbos, right? To, to have a basic insight and some Divrei Torah into the Parsha. That was a Yiddish translation or really Perush of the Chumash. Or anything like this, as long as it's translating it based on Rashi or our other sages, that's built upon the foundations of Torah Shabal Peh. Right? So according to this, this understanding of the Chafetz Chaim, it would come out that if you want to read the Pasuk twice in the Hebrew, and then the translation, the Targum, is going to be the art scroll English, that would be Yotze Shnai Mikra V'echa Targum. Pashim Shad, it sounds like you're supposed to read it. That's the Pashim Shad. Why reading it twice? Oh, we're going to get into that, yes. One thing to note, although the, uh, the Gemara tells us that by doing this mitzvah, will be Zoha to a long life, the Rabbah tells us that should not be the motivation behind it. Right? This is always a, a struggle we have. Whenever there's a segula, that becomes the end all. You know what? I'm doing this because I want to live longer. That shouldn't be the, the main focus. What's my main agenda here? What is it? It's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah. It's just to complete it with Balkor and so you read it once before, read the translation, and then your final reading in the Hebrew is with... So, so we're going to get in Mirza Hashem very soon to the actual Seder of how we do it and what makes the most sense. What's L'Chadchila, what's Bidiyevid, and understanding that life is often Bidiyevid, what's the most realistic way of doing it? We're going to get there, Mirza Hashem. So we'll, we'll define Yes, we'll define that.
The Lavosh writes, so the question is, the Gemara itself never says that you're obligated to do this. It doesn't say, Chayiv Adam. Le'olam yashlim Adam. You should always do this. But is there a real obligation to do so? So the Beis Yosef does quote one of the Rishonim who was of the opinion that there's no official obligation. Half the crowd, have a good day. <laughs> we'll see you later. Thank you, Rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> i got to run. But, uh, but it definitely seems that's not the accepted approach. The Levush writes, Chayvu Chazal al-Kol Adam Yisrael sheyashlim ha-parsha b'chol The Levush clearly says it's an obligation that we should do the Shnai Mikra v'echat targum. What is the goal? What was the intent of this obligation? K'day sheyabaki b'Torah. In order to be an expert in Torah. That's an amazing thing. We could be learning for so many years and, and you know, be familiar with, with a lot of different Gemaras and topics in Torah Shabbal Beth, and that's obviously the meat and potatoes of Liban HaTorah, but we could really know nothing about putting aside Tanakh, right? Putting aside Nevi'im and Ksuvim, but even the Chumash itself, we could know very little without having this a focus throughout our lives. So the goal of the mitzvah, explains the Levush, is Kedeshi Abaki B'Torah. We should be experts in Torah. The Rambam also writes the same expression, Chayiv Likros La'atzmo, that although we're hearing the Kriya Satorah in Shul, we have an obligation to read it to ourselves, Shnai Mikrov Echa Targum. What is the source of the obligation? <coughs> right, so the Gemara says, Le'olam Yashlim Adam Parshiosav, but the Gemara is assuming there is a mitzvah. Where does the mitzvah come from? <coughs> so the Shulchan, and he says this with confidence. Right, source number eight, Ruch HaShulchan writes, Bivadai b'shosh atikeid Moshe Rabbeinu likros b'Torah. Clearly, when Moshe established the obligation to read the Torah Monday, Thursday, and Shabbos, tikeid gam kein tekana zu. He also was misake in this tekana. Shekol echa yikrishnai mikrov echa targum. That's an amazing thing the Archa Shulchan is saying. This is an establishment, this is a takana for Moshe Rabbeinu. Where else do we find that Moshe Rabbeinu was mesake in something? A takana of Moshe Rabbeinu. It's a Kriya Satora. Where else do we find this? Huh? But it's not really a takana of Moshe Rabbeinu. It could be the, the Ksav Yad. He was the one to express it. But the obligation is from the Torah. Where do we find a Takana established by Moshe Rabbeinu? Maybe it's more Ezra. Okay. So the idea of the Shivas Yemei Mishta, seven days of celebration after a wedding, and the Shiva for Avelus, the Rishalmi tells us, that was a Takana of Moshe Rabbeinu. So what level does that have? Obvious thinking, how does that fit into the Bavli? We're learning Moed Katan. Efo Katuv Zeb Bavli. And the answer is it doesn't. But we have discussed in the past, right, the big Machlokas Rishonim, whether or not Shiva is Minhator or Midirabanan. And we pask in that the Shiva is Midirabanan. And even though the Rif was of the opinion, the first day of Shiva is Diraisa, the Balitosas pask in that even the first day is Dirabanan. But where did that come from? Yerushalmi tells us, Moshe Rabbeinu. So what level does that have? Is that like a little bit of a deraisa because it's coming from the author of the Torah? So we pass and that has the same status as any derabanan. It's, it's a derabanan that goes back to Moshe Rabbeinu.
Okay. Uh, in in time, they understood Targum better than That's a great question. What language did they speak? Lachora, <laughs> right? So the point of Targum is to make it in the Mamalashim, that here in Bavel, this is what everybody speaks. Would they be doing Targum back then? I don't know. That's a good question. So I assume the general philosophy of Shnai Mikra Vecha Targum, they were they were Mikayim, right? What exactly the Targum was, I'm not sure. Didn't Moshe not write the Torah down until the end of his life? That's a Machlokas in the Gemara Megillah, right? Did Moshe Rabbeinu write everything as he was, you know, going? Megillah, Megillah? Or was it only Besoch Yomov? I'm not sure exactly how this obligation was implemented, but that's what the Aruch HaShulchan writes. Now there's a famous remez, an allusion. How do you become a Bucky in Torah by reading through the Parsha twice and reading through How do you become a Bucky in the Torah? By reading through the Parsha twice? Yeah, reading through the Parsha. Well, first of all, it happens to be, if you do it for many years, you become very familiar with the Pesukim. And it's, it's almost interesting, the way it works now, if you, if you choose to do Targum Unkelis, it almost works the opposite way. <laughs> because you understand the Hebrew better, it helps you understand the Aramaic more. <laughs> Which is not the intent of the initial Takana, <laughs> but it is a nice bonus. <laughs> Rabbi Eric uh, told me that uh, about 35 years ago, he, he, I asked him how he knows Aramaic so well. He does like, you know, every single Aramaic word and word. And I asked him, you know, how did he, and he said he learned it from... He knew the psukim. <laughs> he, he, he learned Aramaic. That's great. That's great. And you see that. You know, you definitely see as you're reading the psukim, you do pick up more on the Aramaic. But, but I think the answer is we're not going to necessarily become a, a bucky otzim knowing everything by heart, like a rabbi will catch or something. You know? But we'll become very familiar with it. It's not going to be a surprise to us. And oftentimes there are, there are psukim and there are, there are whole partios in the Torah that... If someone would just open the Chumash and say, can you just translate these like 10 psukim for me? Um, not really. That's the goal is by doing this for many years, we have an understanding of the basic taich, the translation, and a little bit of the meaning of it. Very rele- relevant if you have uh, children in middle school. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> How do you it's, not know this? <laughs> well, it's the building block of everything else. Yeah, listen, they say the grah. Right, the grub is Sof Yomov in his last year or so of life. What safer did he learn? Just Chumash. Now, obviously, when he was reading Chumash, every line, every word, every letter, right, he was going through the entirety of Torah of Nigla and Nister. But everything comes from Chumash. There's also a famous Remiz, right? We say Elish Shmos, Shin, Mem, Vav, Saf. The Balaturim writes this, and the Lavush quotes this as well. That Shmo stands for Shnayim Mikra Ve'echad Targum. So we have the Aruch HaShulchan, and we have a potential remiz as well. I happened to chance upon from the Tiv HaTorah, Rav Gamliel Rabinovich, one of the, uh, the Gedolim of our time, known for his expertise in Kabbalah. He has a beautiful paragraph here where he speaks about the kind of the, uh, the achdus that's created through Shnayim Mikra. It's a different angle. Hatarashi Bhsav Mishalekis Laparshios Hashvua. 
We know the Chumash is divided into the Parsha of the week. It's the Kol Kal Yisrael, Blishum Shinui, Bein Kol Eidus. Doesn't make a difference what kind of yarmulke I'm wearing, what kind of mesorah I'm coming from. Kol Echad Ve'echad Sarech Lavrela Parsha. We all have the same responsibility to go through the Parsha. Shnai Mikra Ve'echad Targum. Mibachor Tzair, from a young boy, Ad Ish Seifa. And the same thing's true with an older man. Kulam lomdim parsha shvuzu. They're all learning together the same parsha. Ubezayish kesher chazak ve'amid. This creates a strong bond. Bein av libeno, bein sabel enechta between the father and son, between the grandfather and his grandchildren. All yidei limud hameshutif hazeh through this joint limud haTorah. V'kol echad lomed zos lefi havana shelo. And the amazing thing is. Everyone learns the same thing according to their own perception, their own understanding. Ulafi sikhlo. And their capacity of seichel. Right? With any other field, if you're learning ninth grade algebra, you're learning from one textbook. And if you're doing trigonometry, you're learning from a different textbook. It's a, it's a whole different limud. When it comes to the Chumash, we're all learning the exact same thing and we're all gaining from it according to our Havana and our Seichel and our methodology of how to decipher Chazal. <laughs> this unites us and brings us together. It's true for men and says Rav Gamliel Rabinovich is also true for women. That even if they're not doing the Shnai Mikra, they have no official obligation to do Shnai Mikra Vecha Targum. How do we know that? Oh, so on one hand it says kol echad, so maybe that means all of Kalal Yisrael, and you could also argue that it's not a time-bound mitzvah. Mm, that gets tricky, <laughs> right? We haven't discussed yet the, the, the zman for it. But the truth is the obligation only starts at the time of mincha on Shabbos. Mincha this Shabbos, we could start Shnai Mikra for the following week. And how long can I do that Shnai Mikra for? So there are four different opinions brought in the Mechaber. One is up until Shabbos lunch. Right? The goal is to finish even before the evening, but I could do it up until I eat lunch. Reminds me of a story one time. When I was in Yerushalayim, so I ate lunch at this, at this family's house. Very sweet people, very from people. And I was starving. And by the time we actually like, got down and, and the dining room was there and I was ready to eat, so I was kind of waiting a while, assuming we'd start the meal any minute. But the, uh, the father, he was, he was doing Schneimekra, and I figured, okay, he'd be finished up soon. And it was taking a little bit longer. And I realized he was up to like Shaney and doing it with a lot of Kavana. <laughs> Saying every word out loud and slow. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I might as well do some Schneimekra in the meantime. <laughs> But that's the first opinion, right? Do it before Shabbos lunch. The second opinion is you have up until mitvoch, right, through Tuesday. The third opinion... What's the third opinion? What's that? I'm sorry, right, the Mechaber over here in Sif Dalid, he says, the first, the most ideal, like we alluded to, is that you should do it kodem shiyochel b'Shabbos. Then at least after you eat lunch, you have until Mincha. The third opinion is you have until Revi'i B'Shabbos. You have through the middle of the week. 
And then v'yesh omrim ad shmini atzeres, right? And some say you have all the way until Simchas Torah, right? So the question is, is that called a time-bound mitzvah? Oh, so we'll have to analyze that in a moment. But just to answer this question, is this a time-bound mitzvah? Even, even though it's pretty clear from the Mechabra, there are different opinions as to what the time frame is of the obligation. They're all time-based. So l'chara, mitzvah, say, shazman, grama. Very deep. So what's the basic distinction? When do we say if it's bound in time but it's not officially Zman Grama? I think the basic answer is classically Zman Grama means the, the time frame either of the, the year or the day is the Machayev. That's the source of the obligation. Why do we sit in the Sukkah today? Because today is the 15th of Tishrei. It's the Zman that's Gorem that's causing the obligation. When it comes to Shnai Mikra, it's not the Zman that's bringing upon the obligation. It's a Chiv to, to do the Parsha, right? It's the Parsha itself almost that has limitations. Fine. However, though, I think based on the, on the wording of the Levush, where he says the goal of the mitzvah was, Kedei Shehiyeh Baki B'Torah, that one should be an expert in learning Torah, or in Torah Shebechsav, Right? It sounds like it's within the, the framework of Limit HaTorah. So although women have obligations to learn aspects of Limit HaTorah, the general idea of Limit HaTorah is not an obligation, like the Gemara Kedushin says. <laughs> I hear it. But quickly, with the order itself, the, the Mishnah Bura brings that ideally you want to do Shnai Mikra, read the Pasuk twice, and then the Targum. Now how you do that, if you want to read a Parsha, Right, one paragraph until a pay or a samach, and then read the targum and all of those psukim, or you want to read pasuk, you know, twice and then the targum on that pasuk. Either way is fine. You'll find both opinions in the Yachronim. Uh, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky actually did both. What he did is he read the parsha, right? Let's say a whole paragraph in just the Hebrew, and then he would read pasuk, targum, pasuk, targum, right, to try to get the best of both worlds. But any way you do it works. Can I be Yotze one of the Mikra through listening to Kriya Satora and Shabbos? So there is an opinion that says just hearing the Kriya Satora is considered one Mikra. Many Achronim are not happy with that, and therefore the advice is try to say the words along with the Balkore, and that way you're for sure reading the Pasuk, and that counts as one of the Mikra. Just a note though, a caution whisper means whisper. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what's almost harder to to like to like uh, tune out is when someone's whispering loudly. Right? You want to hear the balkare. We read it very quietly to ourselves to be yotze mikra. Now, the truth is, if you're going to rely on that, which makes it much more realistic for most of us, not to do shnai mikra, but wait to the kriya Torah, then what would make more sense is if I have a chance throughout the week. Pasuk, Targum, Pasuk, Targum, or Paragraph, Targum, Paragraph, Targum, and then wait for my second Mikran Shabbos? Is that okay to do? I'm doing it out of order in that case. Because ideally you want to do Mikra, Mikra, Targum. If I do this way, I'm doing Mikra, Targum, and then Mikran Shabbos morning. 
so the Mishnah Bura says ideally Shnai Mikra Vechat Targum, but then he brings in the Sharetzia and the Lechem Chamudos that did he evid? If it's Mikra Targum Mikra, it's also good as long as you're getting the two Mikra in. Which is better than to wait till after? Oh, oh, so it happens to be because Bidi works, and there were also Achronim who actually held it was more ideal. The Chazanish had the Minig to do Mikra, Targum, Mikra. In that order, Bidafka. Why? What's the rationale? And then you're also not incorporating the Targum into the Mikra. Chazanish held that if you read the Pasuk first, you have your basic understanding of it. Then you do the Targum, if it's Unculus, if it's Rashi, if it's Art Scroll. And then when you're reading it again, if you have a chance to do so before Shabbos, or reading it with the Balkara during Kriya Satora, then hopefully I'm remembering some of the Rashi, and that second reading is that much more meaningful. So because the Chazanish held that way, Lemaisa, and even according to the Mishnah Brewer, it's good B'dyevid, I encourage people that should be L'Chachila. If it's easier to do, we have to do anything we possibly can to try to make it realistic. Either way works. Either way works. Whatever you feel more comfortable with. You know, sometimes what I find is that if the Pesukim are more difficult, I'd rather do Pasuk Rashi, Pasuk Rashi. Right? Sometimes if it's just like more of a storyline and, you know, you're very familiar with it, so you do the paragraph and then do the Rashi afterwards. But whatever floats your boat, it works. Whatever works better for the way you think, you know. Um, last point here we'll call today. Ramosha has a, a famous chuva on the subject, where the question was, if somebody is Osek Batorah full-time, halavai, right? <laughs> if they were learning in yeshiva, learning in kolel, and, and they're doing so many other things, and they're gaining a mastery of Torah Shabal Peh, going through Shas, can you argue, I'm Potter, I'm Potter from the midst of Shnai Mikra. So what do you think Ramosha writes? He says, no. The way it works is, this is an obligation. Just like any other mitzvah, either minhator or mitzvah derabanan, even if I'm learning all day, we're mafsik, we stop the learning to do mitzvahs. And just like I have to stop for davening, and I have to stop for doing chesed, if it's Iyav, Shayyad, Echerim, or for any other mitzvah, I have to stop for Shnai Mikra as well. Even though it's in the framework of Limud Torah, and it might not be necessarily as in-depth, but it's a mitzvah, I have to stop for that as well. I think the take-home message... Any more questions? Yes. If you fall behind and you find yourself a week or two behind, is it better to go in order or do that week's parsha and go back? It's a good question. A theoretical one, I guess. Right? <laughs> 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 there, there, there are chalukah deos. There are different opinions here, right? As usual. Um, I, I think the mainstream shita and the one that I think psychologically makes the most sense is to do the parsha of the week. Do what it is right now. I want to be mashlim parshiyosov b'tzibor. I want to finish this up right now. Because otherwise, like if I'm always making up, so I never have that same energy of like I'm doing the parsha. You know, and, and there's so many things that I'm missing out on. It just becomes a tedious uh, hassle. So 
to try as much as possible. I want to get back on track doing this parsha for this week, and then Amrit Hashem, when I have free time, I'll carve out some time to, to get those other 47 parshas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you count in the Torah as one of your that expire at some point? Let's say, you so I haven't seen it in any any time frame on it. You know, I think as long as as I read it a few months ago, if it's by myself or together with the Balkara, that that's a mikra. So. Oh, very interesting question. All right, when it comes to Shnai mikra, people are very makvid not to interrupt. Right? If you ever tried speaking to someone when they were in the middle of Shnai mikra, the basic message is. Get out of my face. I have no interest in speaking to you. All right? I'm getting long life here. Leave me alone. Right? So, so the truth is, the, the, the Mishnah Brewer does quote this idea, but listen to the way he says it. We'll end with this, but listen to the way he says it. Classic example of something taken totally out of context. If it's possible not to be mafsik for any purpose, that's a really good thing, right? To have the continuity of it is a really good thing. And I've seen people who are very medactic in mitzvos, they do this, they do it straight, they, they, they don't interrupt themselves. And this is appropriate for a bal nefesh. Okay? So where does this come from? The Sharetzian explains. It's probably from the Chazal that teaches us. One who stops learning and who gets involved with just schmoozing. Not a good thing, right? That's probably where it comes from. But, but what the Chafetz Chaim is saying is as follows. Is there anything unique to Shnai Mikra that has for Shalom not to be mafsik between this Pasuk and the next Pasuk? It sounds like it's a general din. When you're Osek in Torah, don't stop and start schmoozing. That itself is not a good thing. And therefore, when it comes to Shnai Mikra, this is considered being Osek the Torah. Don't stop and start schmoozing. Says Rishlomo Zaman Arabach, let's say somebody has a question though. So then he writes, don't forget, there's actually a Torah obligation of chesed and being a mensch. Right? So if you could finish off the Pasuk, it's a nice thing to finish off the Pasuk, but to make him stand there for five minutes as you're finishing off the whole paragraph with the Targum is probably not the right thing to do. It means don't interrupt and don't get involved with schmoozing if you're in the middle of, of this limud. As much as possible. We're not going to have time for every Rasha to do that. So, can you give us a hint? Because that's very hard to do in heaven. It's hard enough to get to Aliyah. My recommendation is like this. If you're going through something, oftentimes you'll see a Rashi or whatever parish you're doing, and, 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 and there's something there. You feel it. Right? You feel there's depth here. I might not have time to fully analyze it right now and think about it carefully, but make a note of it. Right? If it's with a sticky, if it's with a little pen, make a note of the Rashi. 
and you'll you know fold the page over, and that way when you have some more time, maybe on that Shabbos, you know you'll have your little safer with you. You could take a look at it, and you might pace on it for for thirty seconds, and maybe you'll come up with something. Maybe you won't, but I think that's the eitzah. Just make a little note, and then hopefully get back to it. Okay, we should have siyata deshmaya.